Hi, this is Tony Campolo inviting you to listen to us for the next half hour. Uh, I have a special guest on this show, uh, Peterson Toscano. Uh, he's a, a gay Christian, and you'll want to hear what he has to say to the church as a gay Christian. Let me go beyond that and say uh, we're on every week at this time. It, the name of the show is From Across the Pond because we put it together here in the United States, even though it's initially broadcast across the United Kingdom. Uh, it's then carried uh, via uh, podcast around the world. So welcome to the show and welcome to our special guest, uh, Peterson Toscano, a guy who uh, uh, heads up all kinds of programs uh, and churches and conventions, uh, telling his story and telling what the church should do uh, in relationship to some important issues. Uh, right now, you're hot on the climate issue. Before we get into anything else, could you speak a little bit on that? Sure. Uh, in in the work that I do, I've always had to have really hard conversations about being gay and Christian with the churches. And I learned some very great skills about how to communicate through storytelling. And there is no, no story harder to tell than the story of climate change. And what I've been trying to do throughout the U.S. and in the U.K. is change the conversation so that we're not just looking at climate change as an environmental issue, but one that is about pastoral care and human rights and justice and the things that, you know, church people are often very concerned about already. Yes, I, I wrote a book on uh, climate change and on the environment period uh, many years ago. I was way ahead of the curve. As a matter of fact, when the book came out, uh, nobody was even thinking about these things. The book is that old. It was called How to Save the Earth Without Worshiping Nature. And the idea was that uh, uh, the only people that seemed to be concerned about the environment uh, were the New Age people. And uh, I was saying, no, this is something that Christians should be concerned about. And in the book, I start off by saying, this may be the most pressing issue of our time, and yet uh, climate change is not a, f a focus of Christians. Uh, the problem with the environmental and the climate change issues is that the uh, disintegration of the environment is so imperceptible. We don't notice it. It's a gradual thing. It doesn't happen all at once. It's not dramatic enough. And so people think, gee, uh, uh, this is no crisis. But 10 years later, you realize it was a crisis and we didn't pay any attention to it. Tell me what you're doing to make this something that people pay attention to. Well, one thing is I'm trying to help people understand that they may already be doing climate work and not be aware of it. Like, so For instance, climate change affects everything, right? It affects um, women's rights. It affects housing issues and poverty. How does um, it affect human right, women's and, issues? I'm sorry? You said women's issues. How does it affect women's issues? Well, uh, I can think of two things in particular. When there is uh, an extreme weather event, like we, we see like extreme flooding, there's been a lot in the UK and definitely in the US, people get displaced and they have to go into shelters. Women become far more vulnerable in those places. Uh, and there's higher incidence of sexual assault uh, they're often left alone with the children while the men are somewhere else or they're separated. And there's been lots of studies showing that the rates of depression and suicidality for women after experiencing these extreme events goes up very, very high. 
And the other one is, um, you know, we are seeing more vector-borne illnesses. These are illnesses brought by mosquitoes and other things. So in the U.S., we've, we've been dealing with uh, Zika virus, which uh, affects pregnant mom- women in particular, pregnant mothers in particular. And, uh, and so for women who don't have access to birth control, uh, they're more vulnerable and they, and, and when, when this disease is, and it was so severe in, in Brazil that the Catholic Church even gave a, a short dispensation for women to use birth control so that they wouldn't get, get pregnant and get Zika where it was, where it was spreading so rapidly. Uh, the thing that came to mind when you talked about how this affects women, climate change affects women, is uh, in many places climate change uh, uh, affects the uh, growing of food and food becomes scarce. And when there's a scarcity of food, uh, the chauvinistic male-dominated society we live in, the world we live in, uh, ends up by the father eating first, the boys in the family eating second, uh, the girls in the family eating third, and the mother eating last. So uh, climate change affects the availability of food, and that, in, in reality, uh, punishes women uh, disproportionately in the world today. Uh, are you giving talks on this? Do you, now, you did a lot on the gay issue with humor. Do you have humor on the climate change thing? Absolutely. Humor is essential because this is an issue that people feel anxious about. They feel ashamed. They feel guilty. And so humor, as you know, in the many talks that I've heard you give, you know how to successfully use humor to relax people. Uh, and you can say things in a way that, that just opens them up a little bit more. So yeah, humor is absolutely essential. Yes. And, uh, and I'm grateful that you're doing this. Uh, do you get many speaking engagements on the climate issue before we move on? I do. Um, in fact, I was in the UK in 2018. I spoke at the Greenbelt Festival, and then with uh, Ruth Wilde, who is the the director of Inclusive Church, we did a tour of England, Scotland, and Wales, and went to a number of churches and universities. I also host a monthly podcast called Citizens Climate Radio, and there I get to help a lot of people hear about issues about the issue from a lot of different angles. So that gives me an opportunity. In the U.S., I also speak at many universities. And uh, the podcast thing, uh, how do people uh, access the uh, podcast? Sure. Citizens Climate Radio is available wherever you get podcasts. So Apple Podcasts and Spotify and SoundCloud. So just do uh, a search for that or just go to my website, petersontoscano.com. And that's where you'll find that podcast. And another one I do with my friend Liam Hooper, which is called the Bible Bash Podcast, which is where we have a party around Bible uh, Bible verses that we talk about. Yeah, a lot of people get clobbered with Bible verses, uh, often used wrongly and incorrectly, the Bible is often used to batter people. Uh, and uh, in that respect, we go to the second subject that you've been addressing over the years, and that is the whole problem of a gays and gays in the church. Uh, and the Bible is used so often uh, to condemn a gay and lesbian and transgendered and bisexual and cute people. I mean, they're getting it all the time. Uh, so many gays end up hating the church. Uh, could you speak uh, to your own experiences? Uh, you were in conversion therapy for 17 years. Talk about that and uh, uh, talk about what it did to you. 
Yeah, I uh, came of age as a teenager in the in the early 80s, and the world had gotten much more conservative, both in the U.S. and the U.K. and uh, and then there was the the, the entrance of HIV/AIDS and the and the the language that was used to describe gay men, homosexuals, is very similar to language we hear today about terrorists that they're, they're a threat to America and to um, the family. And so there was a lot of fear. And at age seventeen, I, I had become born again. I was going to a Bible church, and uh, and I was told you can't be gay and Christian. And I was like, well, I love Jesus. I'll do anything for Jesus. And then I spent the next 17 years and $30,000 on three continents, including in the UK, uh, looking for a way to be, to be delivered, to, to repent and to, you know, to be free of it. I even spent uh, two years at a residential program called Love in Action in Memphis, Tennessee. At the end of it all, I changed, but it wasn't my sexuality. I became depressed and suicidal. Uh, I hated myself. And I had to admit, this is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I left that, and I thought I had to leave Jesus too, uh, but I found a way to, to be authentic, who I am, uh, to be someone who loves Jesus, who happens to be gay. Uh, and it was after I, I came out, I then realized I needed to bear witness about the harm of conversion therapy, and both in the U.S. and the U.K., I began touring with a show called Doing Time in the Homo Nomo Halfway House, <laughs> How I Survived the Ex-Gay Movement. And that's when I met your wife, uh, Peggy, back in 2003 when I was performing it in Philly. Now, uh, most of our listeners would say, uh, listen, we believe that uh, people can change their sexual orientation. Uh, they would listen to you and say, uh, you talked about the Holy Spirit. Uh, did you ever give the Holy Spirit a chance to deliver you? Uh, did you ever go into Pentecostal churches and have hands laid on you to cast out whatever demons uh, were facilitating this homosexual orientation? It, it was that part of your life, and what was the result of that? Yeah, I was very much like the, the, the woman with the issue of blood in the Gospels who uh, went from doctor to doctor, pastor to pastor, ministry to ministry, seeking whatever help I could, spending all my money, and only got worse. In, in fact, uh, it, it made the sexual desires I had uh, more, more intense, because the more I suppressed them, uh, the more intense they, they became. Uh, I went through exorcisms. I was part of Times Square Church in New York City, which is David Wilkerson's church, a very strong Pentecostal church. I fa would fast for like a week at a time, daily prayer hours, two to three hours a day. Um, yeah, and uh, I even had an exorcism in the UK at one point and saw a therapist there for, for three months. I literally exhausted every possibility, uh, and it, it didn't work, um, but more importantly, it caused considerable psychological, emotional, and spiritual damage. Yeah, this is, a, this is something that some of our people need to hear because they uh, act as though uh, the people who are gay and who are Christian um, don't want to change. And almost every Christian I know who is gay has tried to change and has gone to extreme measures in an effort to change and found that the sexual orientation remained in place in spite of all efforts, in spite of all prayers, in spite of all uh, Pentecostal meetings they were a part of. And uh, I think the church needs to hear that and uh, needs to begin to change its attitude 
towards gay and lesbian people uh, who are within the church. Uh, there are those who sincerely have tried to change, and it hasn't worked. And there's got to be acceptance. And when we sing just as you are, we need to say to the gay community, you don't have to become what you are not in order to be loved by Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for people who think you can change. They may have heard somebody speak once and give a testimony saying they were gay, and now they're no longer gay. But they don't really always know what happens after that because the vast majority of people who have been through conversion therapy, including the leaders themselves, at some point make the, uh, the understand that it's not working. Uh, but they don't always get to update all the places where they spoke. So people are walking around with this idea of someone who is no longer gay, who actually is gay. Great example in the UK, Jeremy Marks. He was the head of an ex-gay group called Courage for many years. And uh, he began to see that the people in his care, he has a pastor's heart, that, that they were not doing well, that this, these therapies, these treatments, these ministries weren't helping them. And, and in a very powerful way, he and his team changed their ministry to instead become supportive and affirming of, of gay Christians. And he modeled for the church in the UK how you can go on that journey. Uh, and it's a very powerful story. I don't know much about gay I don't know much about movements. I, I do know this, that uh, when I was teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, a secular school, I was constantly asked by my colleagues, uh, you're a Christian, you're in the church. Uh, do you have any idea what the church and people like you are doing uh, to gay men, gay women, uh, do you have any idea the destruction, uh, the number of people you've driven to suicide? Uh, this is a reality. I mean, there are those who were Calvinist who read the book of Romans and say certain people, as they read the Bible, were uh, predestined to damnation and begin to say, I am one of them and become destructive of self. There are people in the secular university who are asking me as a Christian, do you Christians realize what you're doing to people, uh, how you're hurting people, how you're driving people to suicide? Uh, this is a scary thing. Mm. Mm. So Yeah, and you know, yeah, I hear that, and, and a lot of times people don't realize that it's, it was the church who has given moral authorities to bullies. There's so many people who know nothing about the Bible, but they'll beat up a gay person saying, well, the Bible says it's wrong. Uh, but they're not go people going to church. They're just, that's what they heard some preachers say. And in the United States and in the UK, uh, so often when there's been legislation against LGBTQ people, it has been supported, financed, encouraged by the church. So it's not just about a preacher saying something to someone in their congregation, but they literally have, have have been successful at times to change laws so that we have trouble getting jobs and housing and, and equal rights. And, and that, you know, with, it just, just there's something cruel about that. And as a result, it, it, people have felt very oppressed and, and definitely unwanted by the church, and therefore they often think they're unwanted by God. You know, uh, a few years ago in California, there was a proposition that was given to all voters that would have allowed for discrimination against gay and lesbians and transgendered and bisexual people. Uh, there was actually a, a, a referendum in the voting booth. And uh, 
the Christian churches got together, brought in people from outside the state, went door to door from one end of the state to the other, getting people to vote against gays, uh, asking uh, that uh, discrimination be allowed against gays. And when it was over, they won. And they were jumping up and down and clapping their hands and saying, we won, we won, we won. And I'm asking, what did they win? Uh, There were massive demonstrations against the church in San Diego, in in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, and in other cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, D.C., people screaming and yelling against the church and yelling and screaming against Jesus. If we call that winning— We better take a good look at ourselves. Jesus loves people. He doesn't hate them. Jesus is not a condemning Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus' words are these. I came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, might be rescued from hatred, from animosity, from discrimination. He's a loving, loving Jesus. So if anybody tells you that Jesus hates you because you're gay, you just look at them in the face and say, that's not the Jesus that's revealed in the red letters of the Bible. So uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, What are you doing with yourself these days? Well, these days, my my primary focus is on climate change. Uh, And in a way, that's one of the the blessings of having more rights as a gay person is I don't have to fight all the time for my own rights. I can be free to do other things. And, you know, many of us are really concerned about lots of things in the world, about poverty and immigration and, and all. So I'm freed up. So I work um, full time uh, training people how to talk about climate change. I do uh, produce uh, the podcast. I do a lot of writing uh, and I do uh, advocacy. I go directly to D.C. I talk to lawmakers about putting a price on carbon. I'm part of a group called Citizens Climate Lobby. uh, And uh, that's been a big part of my work. But as we're talking, I'm just so aware that there's probably somebody listening to our conversation about the gay stuff who's saying, wait a minute, though. Sure. Be nice to people, whatever. But. The Bible says what the Bible says, so what are you going to do about it? And, and I know that like these clobber passages that you know, people read and say, oh, it's wrong to be gay. I don't think it's possible to convince most people that it's, it says something different than they think it says. But I have found something extraordinary in the Bible, and it has to do with the Ethiopian eunuch. This story is so important uh, to the church. It gets preached every year in most churches. And a eunuch, back in those days was a gender and sexual minority. Because they were castrated, often before puberty, they didn't look and sound like other men and women. They had a high voice, they didn't have facial hair, uh, and they couldn't have children or families in the traditional way. And when you look at the, the history of eunuchs in the Bible, it starts in Deuteronomy, where this prohibition that, that eunuchs and people with crushed testicles uh, and who are castrated, they are forbidden in the assembly of the Lord. But then something extraordinary happens. The people of Israel go into exile in Persia and Babylon. And who is there to help them but eunuchs? Daniel and his friends are helped by a eunuch. Esther is helped by a eunuch. Jeremiah and Jeremiah uh, 38 is, is rescued by a eunuch. And then you've got the prophets and Isaiah. And in Isaiah, uh, this amazing prophecy in, 50, in Isaiah 56 saying, thus saith the Lord, let not the eunuch say I'm a dried up old tree with no future, no hope. For those eunuchs who honor my commandment and keep my Sabbaths, I will give you a memorial better than sons and daughters. I will write your names on the walls of my house 
and you will never be cut off. But you and come then, a, you come across uh, the passage in the eighth chapter of Acts, which deals with the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, this is a That's very, right. very important passage for those of us who are Christians. This guy uh, who learns about the true God in Ethiopia, he's evidently a wealthy guy because he's, he's got a chariot and a, a guy that's driving the chariot for him, and he goes to Jerusalem uh, to worship the true God. And he's turned away f- at the gate of the temple because his sexual identity has been surgically altered. That's the nicest way to say it. And uh, uh, he's defeated and depressed, and he's on his way back, and he's reading the Bible trying to say, I I thought this God was a God of love. And he's reading the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and suddenly uh, Philip is there and says, do you understand what you're reading? And climbs into the uh, chariot with the guy and explains about Jesus as the Savior. Uh, Jesus is the loving Savior. You take it from there. Yeah, and uh, and he, and and the, what's extraordinary? Then he says, "Well, what's to stop me from being baptized?" This person who very much is an outsider, who when he was at the temple probably saw lots of people with families, which is just was not in the cards for him. And he he does. He gets baptized. He goes back to Ethiopia, and the church in Ethiopia traces their roots back to this person. But what is I think so amazing, and the church needs to consider this. I don't think of this person as a gay person or a trans person, but for the time, they were a gender and sexual minority, and they clearly were in Deuteronomy an outsider. But in the early church, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, speak to this person. And that person, the first recorded baptism, was a black, African, surgically altered, gender variant, rich, <laughs> literate foreigner who is a person of faith. I look at all of those identities that often get kicked out of the church, and there God is absolutely affirming that person. Yeah, let me say this. If there's anything to be learned is this, that whenever we draw a line and push certain people on the other side of that line, we can be sure of one thing. Jesus is on the other side of the line with them. Mm. Tell me who the religious establishment uh, casts out. Tell me who the uh, religious establishment rejects. Because if you read the scriptures, Jesus was always standing with the rejects, the tax collector, the prostitutes, the sinners of all types that the church said, you can't be part of this fellowship. Jesus always says, I'm with them. I'm with them. I'm with them. And they're going to get into the kingdom of heaven before some of you are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I've been interviewing uh, today, and we're running out of time, actually, Peterson Toscano, uh, he has been an incredible communicator. He's been at Greenbelt there in the United Kingdom. He's spoken in conferences all over the United States. And uh, have you written a book? No, I well, I have, but I've never published it. I've written a couple of uh, memoirs. I'm more of a, a live performer. I, I like that. And, and how like do the, they get the you as a live performer? If they want you to come to their church, to their group, yeah, how do they get sure, you? I would love that. Uh, two things they can do, just go to my website, petersontoscano.com, and they could request me to come. Also, I have my, um, my play, Transfigurations, Transgressing Gender in the Bible, where I look at the Ethiopian eunuchs and a bunch of other folks. That's available in the UK and the US on Amazon, and you can just stream it right from there. And at my website, petersontoscano.com, I even have a study guide that goes along with it. 
Now, when I say your name, Peterson, everybody knows how to spell Peterson, but Toscano mm-hmm. is T-O-S-C-A-N-O, Peterson Toscano, all one word. Uh, that's correct, isn't it? That's right. Or if they need to Google something, just like Google gay climate change, and you will totally find me. Okay. Well, Jesus found you a long time ago, and I'm glad you're (laughs) in with us uh, and waving the flag for Jesus, for the kingdom, and for love towards people who society often rejects. God bless you, Peterson, and thanks for being on the show today. This is Tony Campolo putting in a plug for Red Letter Christianity. Go to our website, redletterchristians.org. Find out about this movement that says you don't have to be a hateful person. You can be a loving Christian and follow Jesus. Thanks for listening.